0: How's it going, everyone? Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Music Reviewer Podcast. I'm coming at you guys with another album review today, episode 22. And today we're covering a a band that I've been a fan of uh, since their uh, debut in 2014, Glass Animals. The album uh, is titled Dreamland. And yeah, this is going to be a review I've been looking forward to. A lot of mixed feelings on this one as well. Uh, a lot of mixed reception on this, but uh, just before we get started, I want to let everyone know um, there is another episode up that I released right before this over the latest Washed Out album, Purple Moon. Had some thoughts on that one. If you're interested in Washed Out, any chill wave music, if you listen to the George Clanton review or the work to listen for Tori Ma, I think you might have some uh, interest possibly. But uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, let's get started on today's review. Like I said, today is episode 22 of the album review series uh, where we are going to review Dreamland by Glass Animals. This album was released on August 7th uh, of this year uh, after being uh, delayed a little bit um, due to uh, the you know, state of the political turmoil in the United States and Black Lives Matter. Um, and this was released on Republic Records. I think this is probably their first... Um, Glass Animals, this is their first uh, major record uh, release in the United States, I think. Um, and yeah, this is um, an interesting album and in concept. And this album seems to follow like some sort of theme that your childhood is like a dream and the, the past is sort of a uh, distant uh, memory with different elements thrown in and out in this album that relate to the various members of this band's uh, childhood. I think it's important to note uh, the issues that the band were facing as they were making this album and what the band had been through prior to making this album as well. This band, I believe, in 2018, as they were touring their previous album, uh, How to Be a Human Being, um, one of their members was injured in a, an act, some sort of accident, I think it was involving a bicycle, where he was uh, left uh, with brain damage and uh, also with the. Uh, ambiguity that he may or may not, uh, survive. And luckily he did end up pulling through, but it left him, uh, needing to learn how to do simple things like talk and walk and let alone if playing drums, uh, from what I've read on Wikipedia, it seems that he has started to play music again. So luckily he is starting to get, regain his skills. Um, but mainly dreamland, uh, due to that, um, was something that was more of Dave Bailey, the frontman's, uh, I guess, uh, creation or he came up with the concept uh, after being a producer in the United States working with artists like uh, Khalid and uh, King Princess and then other rappers probably helping them with production and songwriting. He uh, looked at how their their skills and how they're able to write uh, songs about their lives, their own lives. Uh, Before that, Dave Bailey has stated that he wasn't able to really get into that and he liked uh writing more about other people's lives or concepts or more abstract things but i guess on this album after um crediting he credited the song agnes which was one of my favorite songs on the previous album as something that opened the door and being able to make a personal connection and put his own and the band members personal lives into the music uh as lyrical content of course uh and uh if you are not familiar with Agnes, it's probably um, their best song on their last album. Uh, there are several great songs on there, but uh, Agnes was a a sad song about one of the members' friends, uh, fortunately committing suicide. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I'll give you some also some background on the formation of Glass Animals. On Wikipedia, they are listed as a psychedelic pop band. Uh, I would list them more as like an indie pop, alternative rock, loosely alternative rock band. Um, with Elements of Psychedelia, of course, and then other... They're, they're sort of a hodgepodge now. They really don't have much of a set genre. Uh, they incorporate things like R&B, hip-hop, uh, EDM, uh, and especially their live shows, they're known for incorporating more of it being like a dance sort of EDM thing. Uh, but nonetheless, they formed in 2010 in Oxford, uh, in Oxford, England. Dave Bailey, the frontman, has produced and written uh, all three of their albums, uh, Zaba, their debut in 2014, I believe was a great debut. I remember around that time, I was really enthralled with the track Gooey. I also enjoyed the track Pulls off of that. Um, I, it was kind of interesting because when they were coming out, I remember several similar sounding bands were kind of coming through too. Uh, one that kind of sticks is like Alt-J. Alt-J kind of had like that weird, quirky uh, indie pop style as well. And Alt-J's debut was known as being great as well. Uh, And it was known for being kind of this ambitious, experimental thing that had, you know, uh, more of these uh, stripped-down elements of rock in it. And I guess things that they could borrow, that you could say were borrowed from bands like Radiohead and Animal Collective or whatever the hell. Um, Glass Animals kind of came in with kind of their own, uh, I guess brand of experimentation. Uh, I'd say their sound on Zaba tracks like GUI. Uh, I'd say they were not many people were making music or any at all around that time. Um, so, uh, n- nonetheless, I became a fan, uh, quite soon or quite easily. I remember the first time I tried seeing them live. I, uh, was an idiot and didn't buy tickets uh, beforehand. I didn't think they were gonna sell out, so I was like, yeah, I'll just get them the day over at the door. And as when me and my friend were planning to make a drive um, to go see them in another city, uh, I quickly just checked really quick, and they were sold out, and I was really bummed out. So um, yeah, nonetheless, that's kind of like a them in a nutshell. Of like their debut, they just they kind of punched above their weight and they became, uh, you know, a prominent figure in indie pop or indie blogosphere music. Um, and their second album kind of held up with that, um, held up with that expectation, how to be a human being. Uh, I'd say it's probably their, uh, quote unquote, magnum opus at this point in time. The song, uh, kind of just hits back to back. Uh, a lot of those songs are great on there. Um, I really enjoyed Life Itself. I think I enjoyed Youth too, uh, but Agnes and uh, Season 2, Episode 3, uh, were the uh, tracks that really stuck out to me on that album. And I'd say How to Be a Human Being was, um, a great uh, sophomore album due to the fact that they matured, their sound developed, uh, they made more consistent pop tracks overall. Like, a, They kind of ditched a lot of their experimental quirky sounds that uh, Zaba had, uh, and they kind of were a little bit more mainstream. Uh, there was, they had a lot more radio play on this album, and they even had critical acclaim uh, with a spot on the Mercury Prize shortlist uh, for that album. So um, it seems like from that point on, uh, when they released How to Be a Human Being, which was in I don't know why didn't get the year, which was released in 2016. That's four years ago now, and we're now in 2020. So they they did take a decent amount of time, understandably, between this album and Dreamland, um, and uh, I guess kind of like the washed out album. I didn't really know that they were planning to release an album. Um, I thought maybe they're just releasing uh, singles to uh, kind of just give fans a little bit of service. Um, I think the first uh, single I heard was the track with Denzel Curry, which was a pretty cool collaboration. I thought um, I thought the track was decent when I heard it, called Tokyo Drifting. And the fact that it was called Tokyo Drifting for some reason, I was like, oh, maybe this is for like the new the next Fast and Furious movie or some crap like that. But no, this is just a regular single that was going to be on the album. Um, but yeah, the album was, uh, announced, um, uh, to be released this year and they released I think two more singles, uh, of which I guess I didn't really, uh, grab. I didn't really catch me as much as Tokyo Drifting as much. I kind of was just waiting for the album to come out and finally the album came out and here we are. Uh, and I've, uh, I feel like this is a controversial album. Um, not really in the sense that people are like, uh, you know, at each other's necks over this and that this is... Uh, you know, kind of like a uh, My Beautiful Dark Distant Fantasy when Anthony Fantano gave that a six. But uh, <laughs> this is more of like, um, if you go on Metacritic, I mean, it has a pretty decent score. Um, but of the, you know, the reviewers that I've seemed to uh, kind of look towards um, for, you know, uh, some general consensus, it's all been kind of negative and I don't see this more as just a bad album, but rather more of an album that kind of was a ambitious concept and what and a piece of work that had a focus that kind of just got lost in itself. And I think maybe that focus was more of a mainstream appeal. Um, that kind of wanted more of a mainstream audience. And uh, you can clearly see that in tracks like uh, Tokyo Drifting featuring Denzel Curry, uh, that is through and through a pop song. Uh, there are pop tropes in there all over the place, especially with Dan Bailey's uh, melodic vocal lines and the lyrical content and the, the words like baby, baby on fire. And then of course the rap feature, um, and I don't mean that as a knock on the concept of having a rap feature, but, and of course, Denzel Curry is a great rapper. He's probably one of the better rappers in the game right now. Uh, stuff like that does happen again, um, where I feel like it's an obvious pandering, a pop song. Um, I feel like that happened on domestic bliss. One of the songs later on the album, third to last. And, uh, accessibility sometimes isn't a bad thing. Um, Hazel English did it on her album. I thought that worked out well. Um, I don't know if I reviewed any artists that I favored that to this year, but uh, I might have. Uh, Nonetheless, it can be done. Oh, Heinz did it too, and I felt like it worked in their favor as well um, with their uh, Ditch of the Lo-Fi production um, but I feel like uh, Dreamland uh, is kind of just an ambitious work that kind of set its heights maybe a little bit too high. Um, but I, I, you can kind of uh, appreciate that um, if you uh, are not a fan of a pandering pop style or these, uh, these vocals that Dave, Dave Bailey has. Uh, that's his name, right? Dave Bailey, yeah. That Dave Bailey has that kind of just play around in the higher register. Yeah, this this album is not going to play out well because a lot of it will sound uh, very similar. Um, but uh, let's kind of just go track by track to uh, kind of thoroughly uh, just analyze what's going on here. Uh, so yeah, Dreamland. Um, uh, is the opening track. Uh, this track is introduced with like a dreamlike theme, uh, kind of dreamlike aesthetic as well, played by this light electronic piano melody. Uh, the theme does recur later in the album, so it very much here, it, it kind of solidifies that this is a concept album. Um, it has its, a focus. Um, and it does a job of introducing that idea there's some nice, rich synth backdrops that layer the track nicely. Um, the vocals are drenched in reword and effects, so it kind of gives you that surrealist, um, you know, vibe. Uh, the develop- I like it when the track develops when female vocal harmonies are added, and when that part kicks in. Overall, the track does become very rich and indulgent in itself, and that's kind of an overall, I guess, criticism I would have. It's not. At times, that's not a bad thing, but it does kind of lose sight of uh, anything on the outside. It's very looking much in to itself. Um, there's some pop mannerisms on here. Uh, at times, the lyrics are mushed and mumbled and almost a little bit undiscernible. So there's parts when there's so much vocal effects that you can't really uh, you can't really hear clearly each word being sung, uh, which I don't really analyze lyrics too much so that's not that big of a deal for me but you want to be able to have sort of a clear uh i guess production on that part when there's these vocal lines and you're what you want is you want to mean what you say so you got you should make sure people hear that clearly um tangerine is the next song i thought that was a highlight uh the intro synth parts um Sound like they're taken straight from a St. Motel track from the mid-2000s, 10s, um, in the introduction. I thought that was interesting. Overall, the trap production in the track isn't bad. It ser- the trap production in the song isn't bad. It serves the song decently. Uh, the track does develop well into the pre-chorus as well. So, um, th- the problem is when the chorus hits, it's a little too bubblegum, um, I also don't like the woe uh, the samples thrown in, the childlike woe sounds. Um, the playful parts with the vocals and synth melodies trade off later in the track are nice. Uh, overall, I think maybe the lyrics are the downfall in this track um, and a lot of parts of this album. Uh, it's kind of just a lot of uh, sporadic ideas thrown in and out about nostalgia in the 90s and Like I said, lyrics don't bother me too much, but if you're a person that really wants to dig deep into it, some of it might not really uh, mean much to you because they're just naming like random 90s nostalgic, you know, things like Capri Sun and, you know, Scooby Doo and Batman and stuff like that. And it doesn't really dig deeper than that, unfortunately. Um, On Tangerine, I like the breakdown part after the second chorus. It's a nice dynamic contrast. Give it that. Um, Hot Sugar, I didn't think that was too much of a highlight, but I do like in the track it does kind of throw in some classic elements of their sound. Um, like later on, there's a classic uh, Glass Animals fuzzy guitar thrown that's thrown in the outro. That's kind of like a mini guitar solo. I thought that was a good part of the album as well. So they're kind of staying close to the roots at least. Um, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. I didn't really think that was too big of a a highlight either. Uh, The Space Ghost refrain is decent. There's a lot of decent refrains and hooks on this album. Um, I think the track is interesting too, because it borrows from like 2010's trap EDM elements. Uh, You know, if you were at a frat party anytime in college around that time, you know what I'm talking about. Um, And then Tokyo, we get Tokyo Drifting, which I think is probably the best song so far. And we're already kind of, almost halfway through um i like this series the eerie symptoms that coat this track the bass drum is a little too knocky but it's there it's present the rhythmic ideas in the vocal line i think flow well um it's obvious that this tr- this track is meant to be a hit um it didn't quite make it to that par- uh, that far um but uh it had the denzel curry feature and the denzel curry feature is Pretty good for what it it is. It's short, but I like how the track develops to that part. And then when he's there, the track is at its climax. Um, The hot baby sung part, the hook that's sang by Dave Bailey, isn't that great. Um, The synth brass parts are a nice transition to Curry's part. I really like that um, transition and arrival when Curry comes in. Um, The production suddenly becomes a lot more trappy, too, when he comes in. I'd say that serves that well. Um, he's the obvious highlight of the track with the flow and his good presence. Uh, he killed it on his verse. Um, it's one of the best enjoyable tracks thus far. And then we kind of like diverge into like this weird surrealist pop song, Melon and the Coconut, um, from which, uh, I've, I guess taken from other people that this is literally just a song about a actual fruit, a melon and a coconut breaking up. Uh, fruit is not an un, uh, uncommon theme in their music. I think Pork Soda uh, featured a lot of uh, themes about pineapples or something like that in the last album. Doesn't really bother me too much. I thought Melon and the Coconut was interesting, though, because it borrows a lot from this uh, bedroom late 2010s bedroom pop with like the jangly guitar that is obvious uh, influence from Mac DeMarco. So it's like a bedroom pop, Bane's World kind of thing. Uh, it lays out this dreamy uh, soundscape that I think uh, is essential to their concept. Um, the next track, Your Love, Deja Vu. Um, I thought this was somewhat of a, um, I guess, uh, interesting track. Um, it's, it sounds like it could have been from their previous album, How to Be a Human Being. There, um, there are elements of that that I feel were borrowed maybe. Um, I like the little guitar interludes that are in and out the in and out of the verses. The song does have a nice sense of groove. Um, there are some colorful Swift whirlwind embellishments thrown in. It sounds like woodwinds. I don't really know what it is though. Uh, that happens in the chorus. Um, the track kind of has like this overall energy, of, like galloping or something like that. Um, the vocals can sound a little too processed at times. It's another thing that happens on this album. There's like this obvious screen in front of like the natural vocal tone. So it can be a little bit distracting if you're really listening to that. Um, but overall, I like that they're kind of, uh, staying deeper into their roots and what makes the band somewhat distinct. Um, Waterfalls coming out mouth. That's another interesting song, a highlight here. Uh, it's overall, it's a pretty uh, tranquil track. Uh, it features a convincing vocal performance in the outro, one of the better vocal performances on this album. There's more dynamic production elements in the percussion. Um, and w- that's kind of like a uh, thing I s- would say in your love deja vu. Um, it, the percussion sounds a little bit lifeless, so uh, there's more of a contrast in uh, dynamics on Waterfalls coming out. Your mouth or a lot of else coming out mouth. I don't like that title, but nonetheless, um the it utilizes a standard glass animals quirky guitar tone. I like that they kept that. Um it's played with sensitivity at the beginning. It again kind of alludes to this bedroom pop aesthetic. Um and I I think it's decent. Um I will say it's also incredibly loud, not too much of a highlight, other than it's an obvious hot-chip influence track. It sounds like you you replace the vocalist and it's a hot-chip song. Um, Domestic Bliss was probably my least... It's the next song. It's probably my least favorite song on this album. Um, It kind of features this staticky staticky soundscape, backdrop thing. It kind of uh, is just structured by this simple guitar riff in the track, with this muddy accompaniment in the bass. Uh, it's a very poppy track overall, and it's definitely pandering to pop tropes. I feel like this song was made to be quite accessible. Uh, there's little development and little payoff, and it's very low energy at times with sappy lyrics. I just thought it was probably one of the lower points on this album. But then, luckily, the next track I think is one of the best tracks that I uh, maybe Glass Animals' discography. He Waves. I don't know why I like this song because. Um, Honestly, if you just replace the vocalist, it's a Post Malone song. Like it, it features like all these tropes that Post Malone is famous for. It's very hooky. It's a catchy chorus. It's over these, this pop trap percussion and production. Uh, it's very straightforward. It doesn't try to be overly quirky or anything. It's just a straightforward pop track um, that understands the chorus is the best part, and that chorus hits over and over again. I love the harmonies that drop in and out of that as well. Uh, I don't mind the chopped and screwed vocals towards the end. I just think this is a solid pop song, and it's uh, it's an obvious post-Malone rip-off song, but I don't really mind that. Um, but I I guess that's uh, something that's cool on this. Um, and then we are to the that leads us to the last track, Helium, which Helium over several listens uh, didn't really stick on to me that much. I guess I'll say what i think here though it's um at the beginning it sounds like it could be from their previous material it's there's elements that zaba in there with the guitar tone the overall songwriting and like i guess elements in there are just like straight off of like what could have been on how to be human being um it, it features this jangly colorful guitar riff in the beginning um it kind of um is structured with this nice anticipation that's right before the chorus um And the chorus hits with, like, this light instrumentation. Um, I like the synths that are thrown in as well in the chorus. Um, There's more exposed parts in and out of the track, especially in the second chorus. Um, And then the the most interesting thing about the song is that it regroups back to the opening theme. It literally goes back to dreamland. And it's kind of just a more uh, stretched out or not really more stretched out, but just kind of more condensed version of it. And the album kind of just fizzles out like a dying flame. Um, And there is like some weird, like semi quasi vaporwave thing that happens at the very end. I don't know why they put that in. It it was really unnecessary. Um, I wish I knew why, but but, yeah, helium, it, it, it's an interesting way to end the album. Uh, I feel like another track like heat waves or something like that would have been better. Um, And overall I'm kind of just mixed on this album. Uh, It definitely doesn't, I don't think it's better than Zabo or how to be a human being. Uh, I like that it's ambitious and that it had a focus, but it kind of just gets lost in itself too much. Um, It maybe could have used some trimming, There's also some interludes that I didn't really bother covering because all they are are just snippets of like home video audio clips for when the band was growing up. And I guess they relate to the songs. Um, but there's really nothing that needs to be looked that deep into it. I think, um, it doesn't really make the song, the album any better or worse. Um, they're not annoying or anything, but they're also not super, super essential. I think, um, I kind of, I guess, in terms of rating, I would kind of have to think: Did I enjoy it more than uh, my five out of fives recently? I think I enjoyed it more than Folklore. I think I enjoyed it more than Purple Noon. Uh, is it? Do I quite enjoy it more than like a seven out of ten? Do I enjoy it more than the Nick Hexum, um, George Clanton album? No. Do I enjoy it more than the Hazel English album or the Heinz album? No. Um, I kind of have to say it's, I guess, a six, which is kind of a positive rating. It's better than five, which is middle of the road. Um, but I don't, I sadly don't think uh, any song other than Heat Waves um, is really going to, or in Tokyo Drift, are really ever going to be listened to me much again. Um, sadly, uh, I'll probably stick with listening to more of How to Be a Human Being and hope they release some more material that's, uh, a little bit more uh, true to their sound or just more energetic um, or diverse in the future. But yeah, that's overall my thoughts on this. Um, I, I'm still a fan of the band. I, I feel like they can make some way better material in the future. I'll probably see them again eventually. I've seen them once live at a festival. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, That concludes the review. Thanks for sticking around if you made it this far. My name's Josh. Uh, Stay tuned for another Best and Worst Track of the Week this week. Uh, Some more reviews coming out too. The album cycles are kind of dying down a little bit. There's not anything too big that I need to cover I think, but I'll try to dig deep and see what's out there. And uh, I'll see you guys later. Take care of yourselves.